Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, good morning. Welcome to a brand new table. Welcome to a brand new week. I want to encourage you this week to pause often and pay attention, because it is amazing where God leads and how God speaks when we pause and pay attention. I just finished a podcast lunch with Chuck Connor a couple of months ago. He and I were walking through Union Station, the old train station there in Montgomery. There was an attendant there, worked for the Montgomery Area Visitors Bureau, and she overheard us talking about the podcast. And out of the blue, she said, you need to talk to this guy named Hank. He makes guitars out of wood from Israel. Long story short, I chased this random lead, and I met today's podcast guest, Hank Tutan. Now, when Hank and I sat down to some good southern seafood at Wenzel's Oyster House, located at 105 Commerce Street, downtown Montgomery, Alabama, when he and I sat down for that conversation, it was one wow after another. Hank served 31 years in the U.S. Coast Guard, and along the way, he became a luthier. Now, a luthier is a maker of stringed instruments, but not just a luthier. Hank became a luthier with a distinct purpose and a mission. Hank names his instruments Baruch guitars. Baruch is Hebrew for blessed. And although it is a completely different word, different meaning, different language from the blessed of Jesus' Beatitudes, I could not help but think this is what someone's life looks like when it becomes a living, breathing beatitude. Blessed are the guitar makers, for they will reverberate the glory of God. Now, one more thing. When the conversation is over, at the end of the podcast, stick around for just a few more seconds, because you're in for a musical treat. Okay? Let's get started. Thanks for being with us. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. I'm sitting here downtown Montgomery tonight. Uh, it's a Monday evening. I'm sitting here with Hank Tutine. It's Welcome. a beautiful night, isn't it? It is awesome. It's amazing that, it, I mean, last week it was so hot, and tonight it just is comfortable. I've been up in uh, purgatory all week. Purgatory. Yeah. You might want to explain that. I've been building a pergola on top of the old train station. Okay. And, uh, so it has been like purgatory. 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 Yeah. You're the creator of words. I like that. So, Hank, you and I don't know each other. About six weeks ago, I was doing a podcast here in downtown Montgomery at the Union Station building. I was with a friend of mine, brand new friend of mine, Chuck Connor. Interviewed him. 
and we stepped out of Lex Railroad Thai Restaurant, walked into Union Station, and the, the hostess there at Union Station, the lady working the Visitors Bureau. Probably Jackie. I don't know her name, yeah. but she said, you need to talk to Hank. And I said, okay, who's Hank? She said, well, he makes guitars, and he makes them out of wood that comes from the Holy Land. I was like, hmm, okay, maybe I do need to talk to Hank. And she told me the name of your place. She didn't give me the right name. But anyway, uh, when I heard what you were doing, whenever God has his hands in something, his unique fresh fingerprints are all over it. And I thought that sounds like uh, a God thing for somebody to be in Montgomery, Alabama, to be building guitars. And so I sought you out. And uh, well, I appreciate you coming down. I, I'm in the mo one of the most interesting buildings in the whole city. Yes, you are. It's the old baggage house at Union Station, built in 1897, I think is when it was completed, by the Ellen Railroad, who wanted to bring together six different passenger lines into a common uh, location, because each had their own tracks, they'd go in their own direction and everything, and so I, I think probably, too, Ellen uh, wanted to be positioned in Alabama to be able to get tax deals and land deals, so it needed to be close to the capital. But uh, they moved their headquarters here when they finished that building down there. And I'm in the old baggage house, and uh, it was it was a really state-of-the-art place back in the day. It's still it's a nice place today. I mean, that's a when I when we talk, we we always visit. We're we're sitting at Wenzel's Seafood House. And what a meal! House. Thank you, thank you for dinner tonight. You're welcome. Marvelous. I love raw oysters. Uh, my very first raw oyster I ever had was at Wenzel's down in Mobile. Mm -hmm. So when you suggested Wenzel's, I was like, that's a good thing. I right. love seafood. How so. can you beat scallops wrapped in bacon with cheese grits? I had, had my oysters raw so <laughs> and fried shrimp. But like for meeting with me, like I say, when I heard about what you do, you make guitars. I don't know that I've ever met a guitar maker. And that you use wood from the Holy Lands, I was like, okay. And then when I found out you bought the L&N baggage house right next to the depot, uh, I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of very unique pieces and parts of a puzzle of someone's journey. And my question, just about the guitar thing, how did, how did all this happen? How did, how did you get started? Did you have the desire all your life to make guitars? Tell us a little bit about this. No, I had a high school. My, my uh, dad was sick uh, the last couple of years of high school. I uh, had melanoma. And he called me in my senior year and he says, Hank, I don't have any money to send you to school. If you, um, if you want to go to college, you may want to consider one of the military academies. He had attended the Citadel, okay. so he was familiar with the military academies. And so I put an application to all of the uh, maritime academies, Naval Academy, Merchant Marine Academy, Coast Guard Academy, and um, got two appointments. And when I saw the gold embossed picture of the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle on the appointment letter, I said, you know what? Barefoot cruises. I think that's for me. And so I ended up at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Uh, I um, thought, well, you know, I won't. I, there's nothing to lose if I go for two years, and and uh, if I don't like it, I at least have two years of, of education under my belt. But I fell in love with with the whole mission, the whole idea. In fact, um, my freshman year, it's a it's a tough year at any of the military academies. Mm -hmm. That freshman year. And I was struggling with grades. I'd lost my dad to cancer. Um, and so really struggling with, is this the right place for me? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sitting in the basement of the chapel with um, 
one of the admissions officers, a young lieutenant, who ended up being my mentor in a lot of ways. And I was saying, you know, maybe I ought to be on the mission field someplace. And he says, Hank, he reached in his pocket and pulled out his military ID card. He says, you see this? He says, this will get you onto the mission field in places that missionaries can't go. Wow. And from that moment on, I began seeing the Coast Guard as my mission field, a place to serve the Lord and uh, to uh, be his light uh, shining. And so that's how I ended up in the Coast Guard. And, and uh, I said to myself, as long as I'm having fun, I'll stay around. And 31 years later, they were trying to push me out. They say, you're a little too old to, to be doing some of these things now. And so I, I finally had to retire. But you were still doing them. That's the, I was still doing yeah. it, yeah. So yeah. how many years with Coast Guard? 31. 31. And you a minute ago, we, before we started recording, you, you just said, uh, I don't know, you had three things you said. Uh, saving lives. What, what, what? Saving lives, stopping drugs, and having fun. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a, it. Was, it was a good, good 31 years. It really was. How many? Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you asked how I got into the guitar thing. Yes. Um, one of the tours of duty I did 10 years after graduating from the academy was to go back to the academy to teach. Mm -hmm. And um, I got involved with a group called the Officers Christian Fellowship. They had been uh, really instrumental in helping me through my four years at the academy. And so I wanted to be involved doing that uh, as an instructor. Okay. So I filled the volunteer. Uh, post of, I guess you would call it uh, a staff representative, a volunteer representative uh, there at the academy for four years. When I got ready to leave that tour of duty and go to the next, I said to my wife, I said, Betsy, I think, I think I'd really like to do campus ministry in retirement. And she looked at me and she shook her head and she says, the last thing you want to do is be on some uh, campus someplace under the thumb of the administration telling you what you can say and what you can't say. She says, you know, you really enjoy working on guitars. Why don't you learn to build guitars and have your own venue where you can invite young people in. And if it's in an interesting place, they'll come and hang out with you. And it will be unlike other discipleship opportunities because they'll hang around for six, eight months as they build a guitar and you'll have a chance to, to feed into their lives. So that's where that all came from. Wow, had you ever built a guitar at that point? I had not. You had not? No, I had um, done a lot of repair on, on people's guitars because I just enjoy that kind of thing. I, I, I like using my hands to do creative things, but uh, I had not built a guitar. So the next tour of duty, I um, went to New Orleans, place okay. that uh, you've lived as well, and um, I found a luthier down there. That's what you call a, a builder of stringed instruments. A, a luthier. luthier. Luthier, okay. It's from the root of a lute. Okay, right? okay. And so one who builds lutes or stringed instruments. Okay. Jimmy Foster was his name. He um, worked principally with the uh, jazz scene down in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Built seven string arch top, carved arch top guitars. Wow. And so I lined myself with him and volunteered in his shop about 20 hours a week for three years. And that's where I learned. Is he still in business today, making guitars today? He is not. He's, he's, with, not. The, he's with the Lord. Okay, okay. So, okay. so you were with him for three years. How many guitars did you make while you were with him? I made probably about 35 that I helped him put out. Okay. He built top of the line on these jazz guitars that uh, are unlike anything you've ever seen before. $20,000 for his uh, top of the line guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. 
It's like buying a car. Yeah. But it's a lifelong investment. A car only lasts for a few years. But a guitar like that lasts your life. So that's, that's like a Stradivarius. Is that how? What is it? What's the? That, that would that would be in the same category. Same same category. I'm probably didn't say that right either. I have a bachelor's of music degree, but I've forgotten a lot. So, uh, okay. So you were in New Orleans. You went spent three years learning to make guitars. But here you are in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, let's get from that point, New Orleans, to here. How did how did you come to Montgomery? Uh, Robert, there were a lot of things between that time back in mid '90s. Oh wow! Uh, up till just coming here last year. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'll go back to. I had a couple more tours of duty with the Coast Guard. Okay. Okay. Uh, after that, uh, one of them was one that I was telling you about earlier at, at dinner, where um, I was assigned as the commanding officer of what we called our Jungle Warrior Group. Okay. Uh, we went down in South America and along the Indian Ridge, and we were doing counter narcotics down there. So that was an interesting time period as well. Once the Coast Guard finally said, 31 years is enough, you're out of here, and they gave me the boot, I um, began working with the Office of Naval Research okay. uh, as a consultant uh, for a couple of maybe five years. Um, we went down to Ruston, Louisiana, where Betsy was from, okay. and spent a couple of years there as her parents were aging, helped them through that whole thing, and then was called back to the academy to work with Officers Christian Fellowship on the staff. And uh, so I was there for five years, and during that time period, the last year, my wife passed away uh, with cancer, ovarian cancer. Okay. And um, we had not had kids of our own, so I didn't have any family. Uh, after moving around for 31 years in the Coast Guard, I really didn't have any roots anyplace. And so I was sort of, um, sort of, I, Lost is probably too, too strong a term, but didn't have a place to go. Okay. And so I said, Lord, what, what's next? And he led me to go over to Israel for two years. And so I spent uh, two years in the Negev Desert uh, just listening for the voice of God. Wow. Ended up that uh, I was in a little satellite campus. I worked on a master's degree in Israel studies. I was on a satellite campus of Ben-Gurion University, about an hour south of the main campus in a little place called Stable Care. It's where Ben-Gurion uh, actually retired, okay. from the little uh, kibbutz there. Okay. But uh, he had a vision of building a midrashah, uh, a place of study. And uh, so I was on this small campus. Uh, 25 different countries represented there among the students, but only about 250 students. And so I ended up right, right back in the middle of doing campus ministry and uh, just had a blast while I was there. Wow. You have uh, lived quite a lot, and it's in, in you're just... I don't know, you've got many chapters to go. I mean, I know you're retired from Coast Guard, but... Um, well, that brings me to the point of how I got here to answer yeah, that I, part I, yeah, of the question. I, yeah. um, when I came back after two years, and, and uh, I uh, told my friends, I said, you know, when I land at JFK, I don't know whether I'm going to turn to the left or turn to the right. And, and truly, I had no idea what was next for me. Um, this, uh, this same friend, who had um, mentored me at the Coast Guard Academy and had shown me his ID card. He gives me a call and he says, uh, if you don't know where to, where to go, why don't you take a left and come to Philadelphia and help me? He was serving as the chaplain at Valley Forge Military Academy. Okay. And he said, come down and help me form a worship team with the, with the kids here. So I ended up down there for 
four months or so. And while I was there, I was looking for a place to begin this or to return to the um, building of guitars. So um, I'd actually, Christmas time a year and a half ago, I had, uh, was looking at a piece of property in Macon, Georgia, and uh, put in an offer over there, and that fell through. And so uh, just over a year ago now, I uh, went online, began looking for places in the southeast uh, that had interesting buildings. I was looking for an old uh, fire station, an old grist mill, an old train station, anything of that genre. Maybe an old church, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, anywhere in the southeast near a university campus. And this thing came up online, and I just fell in love with the train station. Wow. Wow. You have an adventuresome spirit. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. Uh, to, you know, to, to step out in different directions, to go to Israel for two years. Uh, you used what you said, you know, you didn't quite want to put the word you felt lost at that particular time, but there's a, there's a song that I love written by a Christian songwriter named Rich Mullins. Mm -hmm. And in that song he talks about, uh, he's struggling with God, he's talking, he's saying, God, you're hard to get. And he said, I guess I'm just lost enough to let myself be led. And I love that that line in that song. But you you seem to you have an openness about you to take whatever that next step is, whatever God determines that step is. I'm going to take it. I think part of it is the training with the Coast Guard. As you move around in the military, you get uprooted from one place, dropped in another place. If you don't make friends quickly, you don't have friends. Okay. Because you're off to the next place and then the next place. And so, typically, my wife and I would uh, would end up making friends. You know, the very first week we moved into a place, she made bread, homemade bread all the time. And uh, so we'd just take it to the neighbors and introduce ourselves and say, we're your new neighbors. Wow. How has redemption played a part in your story, in your life? That's a good question. Um, it takes me to uh, the point which I believe that I made my first commitment to the Lord. I was only about four or five years old. It was an Easter Sunday morning in a little stone church in San Antonio, Texas. And the windows were open, chairs were outside because of the overflow crowd. And I was looking at this huge live oak tree that was just outside the window. And as a little four-year-old, five-year-old would, would say, and I just thought it was a huge tree. And I said, God, if you're big enough to make that tree, you're bigger than I am, and I want to serve you. Wow. And uh, from that day on, he just fed into my life. My, uh, my parents were Sunday school teachers. Uh, my grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. I um, began memorizing scripture uh, in first grade. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a long journey, but one that's been pretty consistently walking with the Lord. So, in answering your question about redemption, um, I'd have to tell you that I don't know any other way except walking as a, a redeemed sinner. Mm -hmm one called of God to, to be on his team. Called of God. And then that's obvious as you share your story. You know, you're feeling led to do this, feeling led to do that. I think it's amazing. You talk about how your wife, Betsy, she was the one that planted the seed, gave you the idea of making guitars. And you were like, yeah, okay, do that. Uh, just there, there's an openness and a freshness about you as far as just being open to what God interjects, how he, how he chooses to bring it in your life. 
I'm not that's that really smart cool. a guy, so uh, it's, it's always nice to have somebody around to sort of point you and say, as my friend Jerry said back in, in 1973, did you know that this ID card will get you into places? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'd, I'd go through the open doors. That's so. cool. And, and God does that. He opens doors. Um, I, I think about the, the verse in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door. Mm -hmm. And it's an open door. And you know, he knows how to open doors for us. Yeah. To guide us step by step. I think that's another Rich Mullen song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, God, you are my God. And yeah. I, will, uh, I will praise you. I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. Yeah, step by step. Yeah. Um, you've called... Your endeavor. You've called your your guitar making business Baruch Guitars. It's a Hebrew word that means blessed. Blessed. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I began the um, the notion of building guitars, mm -hmm. uh, my wife had just read an article about this word blessed in one of the Christian magazines that she read, and uh, Baruch is uh, the Jewish people start many of their common prayers Baruch Atarnai. Blessed be the Most High God. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we just fell in love with the, the notion of that word to, to be a blessing to people. Uh, the noun root um, of that word, Baruch, is the word for knee, and it has the connotation of bowing the knee in worship. And uh, so we just like that whole idea uh, that we gleaned from the particular article. And, uh, and so we decided to call the, the guitars Baruch Guitars. And so I call the train station Baruch Depot. Baruch Depot. Yeah. Wow. Psalm 150, you know, praise the Lord on stringed instruments. and. Yep. Uh, so. In fact, uh, I use the psalms as, uh, uh, to name my, my guitars. So my jumbo uh, body style, I call a PS150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. My dreadnought shaped guitar, I call a PS95. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So That's cool to use the PS and the, the number. Wow. That's really neat. You mentioned the different kinds of woods, and, and not all of them come from the Holy Land. Okay. Um, on my peg head, I use olive wood and ebony, and then inlay in abalone the name Baruch. Okay. But um, the guitar I showed you the other day is uh, made from koa wood from Hawaii. Okay. And the koa is in the same family as the acacia tree that the Ark of the Covenant was made of. Okay. So it's a, a legume uh, with very dense, good tone wood. So, so I do use, I, I try to know where all the wood is from and incorporate a theme that way as well. Okay. Do you use different woods? I sure do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, every luthier you know, prefers Brazilian rosewood, but you just can't get much of that anymore. East yeah. Indian rosewood, a uh, good substitute and very beautiful. I've got some Chinese rosewood that some friends brought back from, from over there. Gorgeous sound uh, from the, those uh, the guitars that are built with that wood. Wow. So, not only are you making guitars, you are uh, teaching others to make guitars, and you're using that as a means for discipleship. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Robert, I'm, in, I'm at a stage after retiring that uh, I didn't want to get into the business world again. And so I'm doing all of this just as a retired guy. Yeah. So uh, the shop that you saw is not a commercial shop. It's my man cave where I just have fun and do my own thing. But uh, the goal, uh, even from the very beginning, was to mentor young men and to use the guitar shop as a venue to draw them in and have time enough to do the, the hard work of discipleship. 
Okay. Guys aren't very good at doing what we're doing tonight in just over a meal, chatting and talking. Mm -hmm. um, they, but you, you put a project in front of them where you've got to send, stand uh, and polish a guitar for four or five hours and you're sitting across from each other, you can talk about some pretty deep things. And so that's the idea of uh, Root Depot. Okay. It's a, a venue for challenging young men about life issues. Okay. How many guys have you had in this very unique discipleship program? Well, if I go all the way back to 1999, when I first set up a, a shop in Ruston, mm -hmm. Louisiana, I had a, a young man who was uh, an art student. Okay. And he fell in love with the shop, ended up doing his master's thesis by building a guitar. Uh, he was a, an artist, um, and just it was just a blast to have him in the shop every single day. So he would have been my first. Okay. Uh, the last two that I've just finished with, one was from South Africa and the other from Israel. Okay. And they spent 90 days, the maximum visa time that they could they could come and be in the shop. They're back uh, in their home countries? They're yeah. back in their home countries now with mm -hmm. two beautiful guitars and uh, and memories that uh, hopefully will stay, stay with them for a lifetime. Yeah. And are either of them pursuing? making guitars where they are? One just sent me a, a message on WhatsApp uh, with a foundation work for what he calls his new shop. Okay. So he's laying the foundation with some salvage material that he got uh, in uh, South Africa, just outside of Cape Town. Okay. So, yep, he's on the path. Uh, I am guessing, we haven't really discussed this, I'm guessing you play the guitar as well, or have for a while? Back uh, in my junior year in high school, so we're going back into the early 70s. Okay. Um, I uh, had mononucleosis as a junior. Okay. And got stuck at home, uh, not going to classes, and there was a guitar sitting around. I picked it up and, and started playing hymns, uh, songs that I sort of grew up with, and um, ended up being the, the worship leader in my Methodist Youth Fellowship. Okay. And then when I went off to the Coast Guard Academy, there were some really good musicians there in the Christian Fellowship, and they were gracious enough to let me play along. And uh, so that's where I started in worship leadership. Okay. And uh, as I've moved around for the 30 years in the Coast Guard, almost every one of the churches that I've been part of, I've been on the worship team. Okay. Who are your musical influences? Oh, guys like uh, Rich Mullins, certainly okay. we've mentioned him. Um, the, um, what was the, uh, the group out of, of uh, Mobile? Uh, Hosanna, Hosanna Integrity. Hosanna. Okay. Uh, when I was teaching at the academy, we were using the Hosanna Integrity stuff okay. and uh, subscribed every month. They'd send out a new worship tape and, and we'd use that stuff introducing it to the cadets. Okay. No, so, go ahead. No, so it's. Okay. Uh, that's been a. If you ask me what I like the most, I like the old hymns. Okay. The old Cokesbury Hymnal, if you're familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with the Cokesbury Hymnal. Yeah. yeah. Anybody come to mind as far as. I, I know the thing now, one of the trends within the last 10 years has been for new artists to go back and reinvent or add to uh, some of the hymns. And there's been a lot of artists who now they'll release an entire album. Of hymns, mm -hmm. uh, any any favorites? You know, I, I don't watch TV, mm -hmm. and I don't listen to the radio much. Okay, and so um, so I've got to tell you, I, I can't tell you very many favorites. Okay, I've um, I think you've you've already 
gleaned that I'm a little bit of an independent kind of guy doing my own thing. I like own, that. Yeah. In my own little world. Yeah. And uh, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have told you 25, 30 years ago that uh, God was doing something in my life and with the Bible study groups uh, around me that was unique that wasn't happening anyplace else. Mm -hmm. um, we, we would do what I believe to be some very deep worship time where we just integrate song and prayer and we flow from one to the other to the other. Um, and uh, we had an amazing experience just seeing uh, the gifts of the Spirit emerge mm -hmm. from our times of worship. And I didn't realize that people all over the world were experiencing the same kind of thing, the same move of God. When, when Hosanna Integrity started doing their thing, or Hillsong, it was like, wait a minute, that's my song. I did that first. <laughs> and, uh, so you know, in terms of integrating hymns with other songs and, and moving from one to the other. Um, but it's fun to find out that, that uh, God is much, much bigger than anything that you see with your own eyes. Right? He is. Um, he is so creative. I mean, He created us, He created this world, and, and it uh, only makes sense that he continues in that creativity and that he works through us in a creative manner so that you don't look like every other Christ follower. I don't look like every other Christ follower. There's uniqueness. Uh, and then going back to that comment I made about when I learned you, what you were doing, I was like, well, that's got God's fingerprints all over it. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship. Mm -hmm created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah. So he knows what he's planted in you, Robert. He knows what he's planted in me. And each one's unique. Yeah. I love the Greek word there for workmanship, uh, especially being a craftsman, one producing uh, some sort of workmanship. Uh, the Greek word there is poema. And, uh, and poema? Poema. Poema. From, and, oh yeah, I know where you're going. Go ahead. And so, so I believe that each one of us is God's poem or love song to the world, a reflection, a, a unique glimpse of who He is as image bearers. Uh, we get to shine a particular light on God's creativeness, His goodness, His love, His mercy, and all of those things, if we'll do the thing that we're created for yeah. and be His love song. What's your favorite scripture? I'm sure you have plenty, mm. but... Uh, Probably John chapter 1. Okay. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The fact that everything is, has been created by Him. And I'd probably put uh, Hebrews chapter 1 in that same category. That uh, God is the consummate communicator and uh, how He spoke to us uh, in these last days through His Son. Right? Okay. Uh, I really love those. Um, probably one of the most influential in recent years, in the last decade, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that will never spoil, fade, or pass away. Um, when I was doing a study of that particular um, uh, epistle with some folks, God opened up a, a, a very interesting insight to this notion of being uh, this new birth and mm -hmm. what it is and um, looking at again I, I love looking at words mm -hmm. and the, uh, the Greek word there for um, be, having been given new birth 
is genomahe, which is the root word for genesis. Okay. Um, and I looked at that, and the insight that came to me was that word sounds so much like the human genome, and the notion that God has given us a new genome. And mixing John chapter 1 with 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, mm-hmm. and the whole process for how new birth happens. That is, when we receive this, the word, Christ, when we receive him and believe on him in our hearts, um, then God does this amazing process of regeneration. Right? He gives us new birth, right, mm-hmm. into a living home. Um, John chapter 1 talks about this procreation not being an earthly procreation, not being according to the, the will of a father or a husband, uh, not not the normal thing, mm-hmm. but born of God. And um, I began to see Mary as prototype for our new birth. When she receives the message from Gabriel, she receives the word, mm-hmm. she unites it with herself and brings forth a new creation, the uniquely born Son of God. Okay. In Luke chapter 11, there's, Jesus tells a parable about sowing of the seeds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when the disciples come away totally confused, and they say, why do you always talk in parables? He quotes Isaiah back to them. And um, then he's, the very next words as he begins to explain that parable, he says, the seed is the word of God. That's right. The Greek word there, seed, is the sperma. Mm-hmm. is the Word of God. So go back to Mary, receives the Word of God from Gabriel, the sperma, mm-hmm. unites with her body. The two zygotes come together to form a new genome. Mm-hmm. What's called the hypostatic union, right? Godhead, manhood, united into one. Mm-hmm. And so that's prototype for us, I believe. Mm-hmm. We receive the Word of God. It unites with the dust of our flesh, springs forth into a new life, Mm. a new genome. The very Word of God living in us. Anyway, that's uh, that's a long long answer to your your question about my favorite scripture. But a good answer. A very good answer. Christina also talks about in that parable, uh, when it's describing the four soils, the... uh, what made it good and noble soil. The soil, the soil that was identified by Christ as being good and noble, it's, it says that it uh, retained the Word. That's right. And that's, then produces. Yeah. It becomes fruitful. Yeah. 30, 60, 100 fold. But the retaining has to take place that's right. first. So. But interestingly, uh, in Sunday school this past week, we, uh, we, we talked about uh, the very last verses in the book of James to talk about uh, restoring a brother who's fallen away. Mm-hmm. And so we had this long conversation about whether one can lose their salvation. And of course in the Baptist church there's a little adage, extra biblical I'll add, yes. that, uh, that uh, says once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. And so the Sunday school class sort of went down that path that, uh, hey, all you got to do is, is believe uh, one time and, and you're in. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking earlier about the, the, the thought of feeding this new genome. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And Peter says it's the pure spiritual milk of the word that feeds the new genome to bring forth uh, a fruitful uh, new life, right? Um, so I, I, I was so tempted to engage in the conversation at Sunday school and say, um, no, the book of Hebrews talks about um, the very reality of falling away yes, and, not, and not receiving the promise. Yeah. Even though they were saved and rescued, redeemed from captivity, mm -hmm. uh, they didn't enter into the promise because of unbelief, yeah. uh, because of unfruitfulness. Um, of course, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about it's impossible for one who has once tasted, tasted the, the heavenly, gift. heavenly yeah. gifts, right? That if they fall away, for them to be restored because yeah. ultimately it's equivalent to crucifying Christ again. Mm -hmm. Afresh. Yeah. Afresh, yeah. So I think that we each need to walk very carefully before our Lord um, with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. Because we have a God that's that's looking for those who are broken and contrite yeah. who tremble at His word. Which says, I believe it's Ephesians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, what feeds your heart? I can I can sense what feeds your heart, or some of what feeds your heart, and I can be. I love some sitting in Bible study and, yeah. and just talking about the Word of God and trying to understand who He is. I you can know, pick that up. We yeah. we um, we all have these boxes that we build around our vision of God, and God loves to just explode out of that box. Yes, um, I've told a lot of people of my two-year experience in Israel that every single day I was there. I was exposed to something that had never crossed my mind before. And it's so humbling to find out how small you are, how yeah. big the world is, and how much information there is out there, and how little we know. And it's helped me to, to grasp a little bit more about how big God is. That all of the wisdom of every man who's ever lived, packed in a box, is just not big enough to... to uh, match the wisdom of our God. Yeah, limitless. Yeah. Yeah. After, after Betsy died, um, that very morning, uh, she died about midnight, and um, I'd been in the hospital with her for a few days, and I just needed to get out, and so I went out jogging. And I said, Lord, I, I need to hear your voice. Mm. He whispered to me, he says, look up. Mm. And I looked up, it was in the fall, and it was in, in New England, and there was this beautiful bank of trees, um, oranges and yellows and reds, and he said to me, I, I said that. And I understood that he had spoken that into being just for me. Wow. I said, keep talking, Lord, I need to hear your voice. Yeah. And uh, as, we, as I continued to jog, I was bemoaning the fact that I didn't know how to be Hank, because for 34 years I'd been Hank and Betsy. Mm -hmm. We were always together. Since we didn't have kids, we did all of our ministry together. And, um, and I, I, don't, I don't remember in 34 years hearing just my name alone. It was always Hank and Betsy. Mm. And I, I said, I, I really don't know how to be just Hank. And um, God spoke to me from, from uh, Matthew chapter 22 where the Sadducees had challenged Jesus about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And um, he ends up that portion of the passage um, 
saying that God's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and that was such a comfort to me, knowing that though Betsy had passed from this world to the next, that she wasn't dead. Yeah. That she had moved on to a different phase of eternal life. And um, being the, the crazy um, theologian that I am, I jumped into the earlier part of that chapter where the Sadducees bring up this this question about a woman who has seven different husbands mm -hmm. and whose husband will she be in the, in the uh, resurrection. And I love Jesus' answer there. He says, um, you do err on two points. One, you don't know the scriptures. And he's saying this to the guys who had spent their life studying the scripture, yeah. right? And knew it better than anybody else. He says, you don't know the scriptures. And then he says, point number two, you don't know the power of God. Yeah. And I, I just, in my heart, was saying, yeah, they really didn't. And God said, no, you don't. Mm. None of us do. You think you know the scriptures, yeah. and you think you know my power. Yeah. You don't have a clue. Yeah. Wow. You don't have a clue. Wow. That's a good word right there. Mm. It's true. We get comfortable real easy, or we get, we pat ourselves on the back. I do. Yeah. You know, well, look, wow, look what I discovered. Well. Who gave you the opportunity to discover that? Who yeah. revealed himself? I spent you? the previous five years working with cadets at the academy uh -huh. and attempting to communicate the immenseness of God. I would often use um, slides with a backdrop of a Hubble telescope picture, you know, and, just, and just say to the cadets, there are more than a septillion stars out there. And, mm. You know, I'd, I'd talk about just the immenseness of God. And God says, that doesn't even begin to capture how big I am. Yeah. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Yeah. Whom of you will build a house for me? Yeah. Wow. What is God's dominant theme in your life right now? Right now, I, uh, I think discipleship. And, and that's why I'm focusing on bringing these young men in and uh, sharing the little tidbits that I've had a chance to learn along life's way. If I can share some of them with a few, make a difference. That's what I want to do in these, uh, these last years that I have. Wow. Well, that's what it's all about. That's the command. He left us when He ascended into heaven. Go make disciples. And uh, the... God is using you in an amazing way. Uh, just, just to hear your passion. Uh, He's entrusted me with amazing assets down here with the, the depot. Yeah. And uh, hands that still work. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm probably going to pop back in, catch you sometime next day or two, because uh, we're it's nighttime here in Montgomery and. Robert, thanks for having me for dinner. That's, hey, you're welcome. It's a, yeah. a wonderful well, night tonight. I'd, I'd love to hear you play the guitar. Uh, you bring, know. bring one of your instruments and let's play together. <laughs> I don't have one. Oh, come I, on! No, you got I, a voice. I got a voice. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I'd love to just hear hear the playing of the guitar. So, uh, actually, there have been so many very, very fine musicians mm -hmm. come down to the depot. So I'll have to get you down there when some of these truly uh, excellent musicians come down. I'm a hack. I'm uh, illiterate. I don't read music. Okay. Um, but I enjoy hacking around. Yeah. But uh, 
I'll, I'll bring some of these other guys down here really good. Every um, fourth Saturday from uh, 9 till noon, mm -hmm. we've got a bunch of bluegrass guys that come hang out. Wow. And then some guys from church have decided it's part of their ministry to feed us all. Okay. So they bring their barbecue pits and they and we put on a feast for anybody who happens to be walking by. So any of your listeners who want to swing by uh, the depot, fourth Saturday, 9 okay. to 12. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Downtown Montgomery. I'd love yeah. to, to have another night of the month that we're doing uh, gospel and worship stuff. So we'll follow keep your, up Keep your that. ears and eyes open on that. Okay. Do uh, another morning, another evening, whatever. Well, Anita, I've been saying we need an exit theme song. We have an open opening theme song, mm -hmm. an opener, where there's, I do a voiceover. So I might be talking to you about commissioning and exiting theme Let's song. See if we can do something. Yeah. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to talk with you some more. Uh, I look forward to some other conversations uh, and uh, in the future. And one of the ways we close out every week, those who are listening to the podcast, uh, we release this every Monday morning about seven o'clock. And the call for people to know, hey, the podcast is about to begin, is Party of Redemption. Your table is now available. And so uh, I would like you to sign us off by saying that. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Would you do that? Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Uh, thank you, Hank. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you. I can't wait to see Jesus in his glory as he burst from the sky. I can't wait to be held in his arms.